the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. That show hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. I am your host, Nick DeGilio. I'm a podcaster, a comedy writer, and performer, graduate of Second City, and a Saturday Night Live expert and historian. Each week, we will look back at everything SNL, the best, the worst, the good, the bad, the classic, the forgotten. We'll talk all about full seasons and full casts and behind-the-scenes stories, episodes, sketches, SNL's historical significance, and much more. Sometimes I'll have guests, sometimes I won't, but with every episode, I will always prove that that tired cliche that you hear all the time, that show hasn't been funny in years, is absolutely wrong. And on this episode, which is episode 36, it's all about Larry David. Yes, Larry David and his SNL season. Um, Larry David, obviously known as the co-creator of Seinfeld, along with Jerry Seinfeld, obviously one of the most successful uh, sitcoms in the history of television, one of the most profitable. He, he and Jerry made millions and millions and millions of dollars on it and continue to make millions and millions and millions of dollars of it and, uh, on it. And he has become massively successful. Uh, also, Curb Your Enthusiasm, as you know, Larry David plays Larry David, a form of himself in Curb Your Enthusiasm, which is beginning its final season on HBO uh, soon. Another classic show. Larry David is the grumpy guy who, uh, who makes observations about life that are sometimes uh, nobody really wants to mention or nobody really wants to say. Um, uh, he started out as a stand-up comedian. He uh, uh, you know, was on the stage with Jerry Seinfeld back in the days of the Comedy Store and all the legendary places in L.A. and in New York where you would do your sets and stuff and he would hang out all of the time, uh, all of those times in the 70s with your Richard Pryors and with your Robin Williams and all the other people that were making their way through the stand-up scene in L.A. particularly and in New York as well. And he lived in New York and he was from New York. Um, and the whole idea of Seinfeld came from those years of Larry David living in New York and doing stand-up. Um, and that's where Seinfeld came from. Well, <clears throat> before he uh, got Seinfeld, before he created Seinfeld, he did spend a season on Saturday Night Live. And before he spent the season on Saturday Night Live, he was a regular cast member and writer on ABC's ripoff of Saturday Night Live called Fridays. And for those of you who may not remember Fridays, Fridays was a very popular show for a little while in the late 70s which was a complete knockoff of Saturday Night Live. It was called Fridays, and it aired on Friday on ABC's late night uh, in, the ta- in the same time slot as Saturday Night Live in the you know, 11.30 uh, p.m. time slot. And it had hip young people as your cast, and it had a musical guest. And it was essentially a complete ripoff of Saturday Night Live, only it took place on Fridays. 
And it did have some people in the cast that took off that that were very, very famous people that became famous. And and, and, and one of them being uh, Michael Richards, who would go on to play Kramer. Uh, one of them was Larry David and Mark Blankfield, Melanie Chartoff, John Rourke. Many other people appeared on this. And I watched it, you know, as a fan of Saturday Night Live and a, and a fan of sketch comedy and a fan of, of Second City and a fan of SETV, of sketch comedy in general. I watched it every Friday night. Um, there was a lot more drug humor on uh, Fridays, and there were a lot of forced characters that you would uh, uh, that you that, that that they would hope would take off. So there were all these characters that were created um, with catchphrases uh, that they would do over and over and over again in hopes that they would take off as much as the Saturday Night Live. They did a news parody on Fridays, which was anchored by the beautiful Melanie Chartoff. And Melanie Chartoff was was a standout on the show. Uh, Brandis Kemp was also on the show. And these were people that Larry David worked with and knew. And, uh, and, and, and he developed a few characters for Fridays. He actually uh, played, uh, he actually played Larry uh, from uh, the Three Stooges uh, on the show as well. So we spent a few seasons on Friday, work, Fridays working that, and then ultimately wanted to get a gig on Saturday Night Live because that was the place to be. He auditioned for Saturday Night Live. It didn't work out very well. He was in New York doing stand-up along with Jerry Seinfeld and many, many others. And he decided, well, hell, I'm going to go for it. And uh, he did finally get a gig for one season on SNL. And that's what this episode is about. We're going to talk about Larry's season on SNL and the fact that three sketches that he pitched to SNL became eventually classic episodes of Seinfeld. And we will hear scenes from those classic episodes that you will remember just as a reminder of, you know, these classic episodes of Seinfeld that would not exist had his year at Saturday Night Live gone so poorly. And it went poorly. Now, Fridays was a show where he got, he got to do a lot of sketches and he got to write a lot of things. And he was a cast member and he worked a lot. He got a, on camera, a lot of on-camera time and he was still doing stand-up at that time. And it was, it was a pretty, you know, interesting time for him in front of the camera. But he never really liked being in front of the camera, which is odd because he was a stand-up comedian. He never really liked being on stage. He liked to be behind the scenes. He liked to write, which is why Seinfeld was such a strong thing for him. But again, in that very weird back-and-forth, like, black-and-white situation that Larry David often has, he, he wasn't fond of performing on stage. So the idea of like doing stand-up always seemed weird to him, but he did it anyway because everybody else was doing it, and he thought that was the way that he had to, he had to do it. The idea of just writing really didn't occur to him and really didn't happen until he, f- he found a modicum of success as a performer on Fridays and as a performer on stage. Then he began to write, and of course, hooking up with Jerry Seinfeld, you know, being one of his best friends and a stand-up comedian as well, and also it helped that Jerry Seinfeld was one of the most successful, and historically, one of the most, uh, you know, celebrated and regaled and successful stand-up comedians of all time. And even before he got the series, even before he and Larry David created the series, Jerry Seinfeld was a legend, a legend in the comedy clubs and on, uh, cl- you know, and on stage doing stand-up comedy. He is like a professional stand-up comedian. That's what he was born to do. I mean, you know, uh, he's done documentaries about it. He continues to tour. Here's a guy that didn't have to work another day in his life. You know, 25 years ago, he didn't have to work another day in his life. 
but he continues to tour. He continues to work the rooms. He'll do big, giant stadiums. You know, he'll do big clubs. He'll do small things. He tries out new material all the time. It's in his blood. This is a guy, Jerry Seinfeld, who always wanted to be a stand-up comedian from the days, you know, in the Catskills, watching his heroes, uh, uh, you know, comedians do their thing, and watching Ed Sullivan. In the early days of stand-up comedy, in the early days of television, Jerry was watching it, and he studied it, and he still studies it, and he still works on material, and he is the comedian's comedian, and that's also what Larry David was. Larry David was always considered the comic's comic. So um, in his pre-Seinfeld days, Larry David was known as a comic's comet. He was a comedian that was admired by his peers. He had a very weird and absurdist and kind of angry view of the world. Um, and he was always like trying out new things on stage that many of, many of them didn't work. And his bombs on stage would turn into great stories off stage. Um, he lived in New York City. He did have his own Kramer who lived down the hall from him in his building, which would eventually become, you know, material for the show. And in fact, almost, you know, everything that came out of Seinfeld, the first few seasons of Seinfeld, came from Larry David or and or Jerry Seinfeld's life. So if it really happened to them, it would end up on the show. You know, there's this old adage that, uh, that people say about writing. You write what you know. And so that's exactly what Larry David did. He took the things that happened to him in his real life and he put them in movies or he put them in his, his TV show and he put them in sketches that he would do on Fridays or he would put them in sketches that he would hopefully do on Saturday Night Live, which really didn't work out. But a majority of the stuff that you would see in the early days of those Seinfeld episodes, those were taken from Jerry's real life and from Larry's real life. Um... And some of them turned out great, and some of them didn't. And some of the stories that he would tell... I mean, people would used to say to him, you should write this stuff down and, and do stories about, you know, and tell it on the stage. And he would, and it didn't translate as well on stage because Larry David was, you know, he, he, <laughs> he was an absurdist and an angry dude and didn't really enjoy being on stage, even though that was where he was supposed to be. But anyway, uh, you know, one of the uh, definitions of his comics comic, the way he defined himself was Larry David says, I sucked. He would say that constantly. Like he would do a set and he would walk off stage and he's like, wow, that sucked. The audience was terrible. My material was terrible. He was always, always bemoaning the fact that he sucked on stage, that he was a terrible stand-up comedian. And yet he went out and did it every night. He met a lot of very popular people and continued to do his act. The comedians loved him. The audiences didn't. Like most of his material either went over the audience's head or they thought he was terrible. He would walk off stage and say, man, I suck. I'm terrible. I suck. I'm terrible. All the comedians around him who were, you know, coming up at that time all thought he was great. Saturday Night Live producer Dick Ebersol uh, couldn't have agreed more that he sucked. He hired Larry David. Um, and this, again, Ebersol hired him. And, and people really don't understand why he hired him, but he did. And he hired him right off of Fridays. So he had just done Fridays a few years earlier, which was a known ripoff of SNL. And Ebersol hired him. Now, I don't know if it was out of spite or I don't know if it was just to shut him up. But Ebersol hired him right off of Fridays and he was going to write. And this was on the show's 10th and terrible season of SNL. Um, and the weird thing is, uh, Bob Tischler, who was a producer at SNL and who was also a writer, said, if the name Larry David was on a sketch or a script, Dick would shy away from it. David only got one sketch to, to, to air, and it didn't make it to live. It only aired in, in, uh, in dress rehearsal. 
So his entire season, the entire time that he was in SNL, the one season he was there, that very weird, awful season of season 10, he was there as a writer, and he basically got nothing to air. Not one sketch got to air. It was a frustrating time for Larry David, and uh, he pitched a bunch of ideas. He wrote a bunch of sketches, and because Dick Ebersol, for some reason, the guy who hired him, didn't like him, none of them really made it to air. In uh, true Curb Your Enthusiasm fashion, though, Larry David turned his misery into comedy gold. And there are times when, in fact, sketches that he would pitch or sketches that he wrote or things that he would complete that he handed in to SNL never made it to air. So, for instance, Andy Breckman said there was one sketch about a guy who left a message on his girlfriend's answering machine that he regretted leaving and he broke into her house to retrieve the tape. And if I recall the sketch correctly, it ended with the girlfriend coming home and then the boyfriend killing him or killing her. Uh, so basically it was he, he breaks into her house to change the uh, answering machine message because he left a bad message. Uh, David says that Breckman is misremembering. David said, Larry David said, no, 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 there was no murder. I think there was a courtroom sketch because I had been arrested. The, the guy had been arrested for breaking into her apartment. And even though Ebersol nixed the sketch, Larry David did use it as a setup on Seinfeld. George Costanza, who, by the way, if you know uh, uh, Seinfeld at all, George Costanza is Larry David. He is the character that is based on Larry David. Jerry Seinfeld obviously is playing Jerry Seinfeld, but George Costanza is the doppelganger. George Costanza is the stand-in for Larry David. So the reason why George Costanza is the biggest prick on the show, the most ornery and the angriest uh, and the most lopsided is because that's the way Larry David is. So Larry David, as you probably know, is George Costanza. George Costanza is Larry David. So Jason Alexander was essentially playing Larry David. Played with his own twist, changed things around. But, you know, Larry, Jason Alexander has been, you know, quoted in many, many interviews saying, yes, I'm essentially playing Larry David. Larry David is George Costanza. Well, George Costanza, in an episode of Seinfeld, which turned out to be a classic episode, left a message on a woman's machine that he didn't like and he wanted to change it. So he turned it into a classic episode of Seinfeld. So one of the many, many, many sketches that got denied that didn't happen on Saturday Night Live ended up being a classic sketch on SNL. So the idea of a guy breaking into someone's house to, uh, to change the message, it made it to table read and it got axed and it never made it to air. People liked the sketch at SNL, Dick Ebersol didn't, and it never made it to air. But as a result, Larry David was fired up even more to make sure that he used this idea, and it became one of the classic episodes of Seinfeld. So here's a chunk from that, remembering uh, one of the great episodes of Seinfeld that actually came out of one, of one of the sketches that Larry David was denied doing on SNL. So here it is, the classic uh, let's get the answering machine message changed. And here's a big chunk of that. Would you like to come upstairs for some coffee? Oh, no, thanks. I can't drink coffee late at night. It keeps me up. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay. Okay. Good night. Yeah, take it easy. <laughs> Hi, it's uh, George. George Costanza, remember me? The guy that didn't come up for coffee. <laughs> you see, I, I didn't realize that coffee didn't really mean... Well, whatever. <laughs> anyway, 
It was fun. It was, um, it was fun, so, <laughs> um, so, you call me back, if you want. That's up to you, you know, whatever you want to do. Either way, I call again Monday, I leave another message. I call Tuesday, I get the machine again. I know you're there, I don't know what your story is. Yesterday, I'm a volcano. I try one more call, the machine comes on, and I let fly like Mussolini from the balcony. Where the hell do you get the nerve? You invite me up for coffee, and then you don't call me back for four days? I don't like coffee. I don't have to come up. I'd like to get one more shot at the coffee just so I could spit it in your face. You said that? I lost it. I, I can't blame you. I, I, I can't believe she never called you back. She did today. What? She called my office. She said she's been in the Hamptons since Sunday. She didn't know if I was trying to get in touch with her. Her machine broke, and she's been using her old machine, and she doesn't have the beeper for it. So she didn't get the messages? Exactly, but they're on there, waiting. She said she can't wait to see me. We're having dinner tonight. She's supposed to call me as soon as she gets home. But what about the messages? How you feel? Confident? I feel good. You nervous? Not at all. Get up, get up. It's her. Oh, the hell with this. I'm scared to death. Just walk away. It's off. Cancel everything. Go. What are you doing here? I thought I was supposed to call you when I got home. I, I couldn't wait. I was too anxious to see you. Oh, that's so sweet. Oh, uh, this is my friend, Jerry Seinfeld. I just bumped into him around the corner. <laughs> Isn't that a coincidence? <laughs> it, it, the funny thing is, I, I see him all the time. All the time. It's nice to meet you. Hi. So I'm starving. Where are we going to eat? Well, you know, we could go uptown, and that way we could give Jerry a ride home. Okay. Let's go. I'm ready. Where'd you park? Don't you want to go upstairs first? No, what for? I I'll just give my bag to the doorman. You know... I really need to use the bathroom. You know, I think I will go upstairs. I can check my machine. The bathroom's on the hall to the right. Uh, you know, why don't you go first? You just had a long trip. No, I'm fine. Um, you know, it's the damnedest thing. It went away. Well, that's weird. Uh, no, no, that can happen. I've, uh, I've read about that in medical journals. <laughs> It's a freak thing. Well, let me just check my messages and we'll go. Uh, Carol, can I talk to you for a second right now? Sure. Please, this is, this is very important. Uh, Tepito! Tepito! Uh, lemon tree! Now I know who you are. You're a comedian. I've seen you. It's been driving me crazy. Right. I am. Carol. That's so rude. Please, I'm okay. serious. Just for a moment, if you wouldn't mind. And then we'll talk to Jerry. Hey, you two. I'm ready to go. That's what you had to tell me? Your father wears sneakers in the pool? <laughs> Don't you find that strange? Yes. Well, I'll just check my machine and we'll go. 
Nope, nothing here. Let's go. Oh, I forgot to tell you. After I talked to you today, my neighbor called me and played my messages to me over the phone. Oh, uh... Yours were hilarious. We were both cracking up. I just love jokes like that. <laughs> So there it all uh, it all comes into uh, it all comes to fruition um, and uh, didn't have to change it. And this was actually based on a true story. Of course, it was that Larry David left a message on a woman's machine that he didn't like and he was terrified about it. And he wrote it as a sketch. Never came to fruition on SNL as most of his stuff. In fact, all of his stuff didn't. But as you remember from that, a great episode of Seinfeld, a very, very great episode. Well, another sketch that Larry David did not get to air during his one season as a writer on Saturday Night Live was uh, a really uh, funny idea. Um, uh, SNL writer Elliot Wald says that he remembers a Larry David sketch about someone trying to get a dead person's apartment at a wake. So the sketch was, and I think it made, it did make it to table, but again, it didn't make it to air. None of them did. Um, but the sketch was that a person is trying to get the dead person's uh, a, a guy is trying to get the dead person's apartment at a wake because, you know, apartments in New York are so expensive and there's rent control. And when someone dies, you know, in Manhattan, especially back in the 80s and in the early 90s, uh, it was like, man, we got to get that apartment. Oh, my God, rent control. And if the guy, and if someone died, you, you would jump on it. Um, and they read this thing. They read the sketch about a guy trying to get a dead person's uh, apartment at a wake. And we were falling down laughing, said Elliot Wald. But apparently... Taking advantage of the dead wasn't something that Dick Ebersol found funny. The sketch didn't make it, um, and um, you know it was rejected. And so my job became commiserating with Larry, uh, and he's so funny and so smart that that's what I had to do. I had to keep commiserating with him. And it's a good thing that Larry David had a filing cabinet for his rejects because he was able to rework the concept into The Apartment, which was an episode on Seinfeld. And that's the episode where an upstairs neighbor dies and Jerry's able to score the rent-controlled place for Elaine. So he took this sketch, this very dark, twisted sketch about a guy trying uh, to get an apartment um, at a wake and turned it into a classic episode of Seinfeld. So here's a big chunk. Here's a chunk of what was once a turned-down SNL sketch that turned into a classic episode of Seinfeld about a dead person and an apartment. And New York. I'm Jerry. I slid the rent under your door, Hal. Did you get it? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Jerry, would you like anything for Miss Hud Walker's apartment? Tu eres bobo. Esa cosa no son tuya. I was only joking. He thinks I'm going to give you Miss Hud Walker's things. Se las ofreciste. We have to go up there now and clean the apartment. It's a good thing her rent was overdue. She'd be rotting up there for a month. She died? Mrs. Hud Walker died? 94 years old. I found her yesterday. She didn't have a wig on. <laughs> What's the matter with you? I'm talking. So, Jerry, you know anybody who needs an apartment? Are you kidding? You know my friend Elaine? Oh, yeah, I like her. She always says hello to me. It's not promised to anyone? Because she'd take it in a second. Well, Manny wanted it for his brother, but he got deported. What's the difference? It's true. So it's okay? I can just tell her she can have it? Sure, sure. She's getting a bargain, too. It's only $400 a month. Okay. Okay. Hey, Harold. What do you think? This. Manny, look. Kramer put moose in his hair. Thanks. <laughs> What was that all about? Oh, 
Nothing important. What's going on? What is that look? What look? Nothing. Something's going on here. I don't know if you should sit for this or not. <laughs> Sitting is good if you faint, but standing is good for jumping up and down. I can't decide. Jumping up and down? What are you talking about? Come on, cough it up. Oh, Lane, you know the way I am. Rarely ever thinking of myself. <laughs> My only concern is the welfare and happiness of those close to me. Sure, it hurts sometimes to give and give and give. Would you please? What would you say if I told you that... Told me what? <laughs> I got you an apartment in this building. No. Yes. No. Yes. You didn't. I did. You got me an apartment in the building? I got you an apartment in the building. How did she... Do you remember Mrs. Hud Walker, the 94-year-old woman who lived above me? No. She died? She died? She died. She died. <laughs> and the rent is only $400 a month. Get out! Four hundred a month. And I'll be right upstairs. Right upstairs. Right above you. Right above me. Oh, my neighbors! I'll be here all the time. All the time. <laughs> so there it is. It became a classic episode of SNL. So uh, I'm sorry, of Seinfeld, and it didn't air on SNL. He had one sketch that aired on SNL, and in fact, uh, I just remembered this. I was just looking, and it it did air. It actually did air. Uh, it was a twelve fifty sketch, but it actually went. It actually they did it at dress, and it did air. So there was one sketch that he did get on, and I'll tell you a little bit about it in a minute. Um, now there's one more Seinfeld episode um, that uh, be, that came out of a, a, an SNL sketch that didn't happen, and this was not only an SNL sketch that didn't happen. This was actually based on a real thing that happened at SNL. This one is based on a true story. Saturday Night Live was at 30 Rock with a live show just about to go on the air, and Larry David was incensed. He was so pissed. This is a legendary story. Probably six or seven of his sketches were cut from the show, and they were ripped exclusively by Dick Ebersol. And he busts into Ebersol's office and says, that's it, I'm done, I've had it, I quit, it's over. Other versions of the story feature more colorful language with F-bombs dropping in and so on and so forth. And as Larry David stormed out, he began his long walk home in the freezing New York winter. So he quits. He tells Ebersol to kiss his ass. I'm quitting. I'm done. And he's walking back to his apartment in New York. And he's like, oh, shit. What did I just do? I just cost myself $60,000. And he wasn't even counting on the rerun residuals. So at the time, he could really use the cash. So he came up with a plan. He just went into work on Monday morning as if nothing happened. Uh, David said, I was getting some very strange looks from writers. Like, what the hell are you doing here? Ebersol never mentioned it, so in fact, he quit, did come back the next Monday, and he stayed through the entire season. The real-life SNL misery was repurposed for this Seinfeld episode where George quits his job uh, just to pretend that it never happened. So he, he, he quit his job with Ebersol and then came back and pretended it never happened, but, uh, and he got away with it. <laughs> so that actual insanity, busting into Ebersol's office, telling him to kiss his ass, he's screaming and yelling and yelling and walking out, and then coming back on Monday— he turned into a Seinfeld episode, a classic episode. And his doppelganger, George Costanza, who is really Larry David, comes in, yells at his boss, calls him all kinds of names, quits, and then is like, oh, shit. I'm going to go back on a Monday and just pretend it never happened. 
And this is from that classic episode of Seinfeld. How you doing? <laughs> what are you doing here? What? I work here. I thought you quit. <laughs> what <to> quit? <laughs> Who quit? <laughs> Bill, how was your weekend? Oh, excellent weekend. What about your weekend? Fine weekend. Yeah, good weekend. <laughs> Went up to the Cape, took the kids sailing. <laughs> Lisa was a little scared at first. That kid's gonna be a good sailor someday. Oh, she's gonna be a fine sailor. <laughs> Ava, what happened to you Friday afternoon? Oh, I got tied up. I'll bet you did. <laughs> I want to remind everyone that the 10th anniversary party for Rick Barr Properties is going to be Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock in Lasky's Bar in Madison 48th. I want all of you to be there. This really means a lot to me. Is that Costanza over there? What are you doing here? What? Am I crazy? Or didn't you quit? When? Friday. Oh, wh what, that? Are you kidding? I didn't quit? Why, you took that seriously. <laughs> you mean laughing stock, all that stuff? Come on, will you stop it? No brains, no ability. Teasing, what? Okay, I want you out of here. I don't know where you're getting this from. I... You're serious, aren't you? Oh, <laughs> you see, you just, you don't know my sense of humor. I mean, Dan, don't I joke around all the time? I wouldn't say all the time. You can't win. You can't beat me. That's why I'm here and you're there. Because I'm a winner. I'll always be a winner. And you'll always be a loser. So that's the uh, that's the scene where he uh, he in real life though Ebersol just ignored it and he got it and he stayed with his job but of course uh, and then they would go on to uh, in that episode he would have Elaine slip a Mickey to his boss or try to slip him a Mickey um, because because his boss was such a jerk but that stemmed from a real moment at SNL so there it is. Uh, and, uh, obviously he was influenced by other things in his real life to write classic episodes of uh, Saturday Night Live. A woman that he met at SNL was named, uh, uh, Monica Yates. Um, and, uh, and she became his, you know, like, like she, she became his, uh, Elaine and Elaine became Monica, you know, Monica Yates, the real Monica Yates became Elaine. And speaking of Elaine, he met Julia Louis-Dreyfus while, uh, working on, uh, Saturday Night Live. And, uh, and obviously, he had met uh, Michael uh, Richards from working on uh, Fridays, and he had some Fridays regulars appear on, uh, on, on Seinfeld. Melanie Chartoff appeared on several episodes. Brandis Kemp appeared on several epi uh, episodes. Uh, Bruce, uh, Bruce, uh, 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 Bruce McCollum, uh, who played uh, the, the, uh, 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 the rabbi on, uh, on Seinfeld, he was a regular on uh, on Friday. So his work on sketch comedy television actually did lead to regular people that he worked with on Seinfeld, people that he wrote for, and a lot of the things that happened on uh, on SNL ended up on Seinfeld, and a lot of the people that he worked with on SNL and then sketch comedy on Fridays ended up on Seinfeld, and all that stuff would end up in Curb Your Enthusiasm. And that's the one thing that Larry David does on a regular basis is he'll take real people from his life and real things that happened in his life and he'll put him into everything that he writes. 
you know, whether it be, uh, uh, you know, Seinfeld or whether it be Curb Your Enthusiasm, a lot of his old co-stars, a lot of his old friends, they all end up, a lot of the stories that he had that, that really happened, he ended up uh, using them. His time on SNL was very, very weird, and it was just one season. And I'm uh, going to read directly from the SNL book. And if you don't have this, uh, the SNL book, which is live from New York, uh, that's James Andrew Miller and Tom Shale's um, uh, book about SNL, oral history book. Here are uh, some of the things about Larry David, that one season that Larry David spent on SNL. Andy Breckman said, I was there when Larry David wrote for Saturday Night Live. He was there for one season. He did not get one sketch on the air, not one. And then he went to Seinfeld and he became Mr. NBC. It was a Dick Ebersol year, and I'm sure that Larry has nothing good to say about Dick Ebersol. But uh, of the sketches that Larry David didn't get on, some of them made it to dress rehearsal. Some of them became seeds for Seinfeld episodes. The other writers would love Larry's pieces, but you just admire his work. But they were very subtle pieces, and the audiences never really got them. There were no audible laughs. Uh, And then Larry David said, I got one sketch on the show. This is what Larry David said. Uh, and just one. It was a sketch about, let's see, the host was Ed Begley Jr. The sketch got on at 5 to 1 in the morning, so it was a 10 to, it was a 12.50 sketch. Uh, and this was for the entire season, just one sketch. Ed Begley played an architect, and Harry Shearer was his developer, and he was looking at plans for a new building, and Harry Shearer noticed something in the blueprint, and he says, what's this? And Ed Begley Jr. says, that's an elevator. And Harry goes, no, what's this little thing? And Ed Begley Jr. says, there's a stool for the elevator man. And then Harry Shearer kind of pauses and goes, well, I don't want the elevator man sitting on stools. And then Ed Begley tries to explain, well, they won't be sitting on stools all the time, only when nobody's on the elevator. And then it was just deteriorated into a fight about whether people should be sitting or standing on the elevator. And that showed up in a Seinfeld episode, but it was changed to a security guard at a clothing store. So again, a sketch that he wrote for SNL turned into something that showed up on Seinfeld. Billy Crystal said, now there was another thing Larry got on which he's forgetting, we wrote a thing that became a running character, which was a big hit named Lou Goldman, a weatherman. He was an old, crazy Jewish weatherman who would give the forecast only for where his family lived. And it was very funny. And the forecasts were Monday is fat, Tuesday is continued fat, Thursday and Friday, don't be a big shot, take a jacket. And then he'd do Miami is where my sister Rose is. And then he went off on rants. We did it two or three times. And Larry and I did those. So those are other sketches that got on that Larry forgot about. Elliot Wells said, part of my job was going to Larry David and trying to explain to him why his pieces didn't get in. And Larry and Dick's senses of humor were completely different. Larry would write pieces that, you know, would just be falling on the floor. People would be falling on the floor. And some of those became great Seinfeld episodes. Uh, The one about getting in an apartment and awake, they did that on Seinfeld. And Dick said, we're not going on the air with that. That's not funny. Larry David said, I think Dick Ebersol did the best he could for what he wanted to get out of that show. What's he going to do? He doesn't have a comedy background. He was a good guy. He was a decent guy. I don't have any problems with him. I do remember this, though. It was the day before read-through, which was, let's see, Tuesday around 7. This is Larry David talking. Uh, and I had been there maybe three weeks to write material. And so the, for that first read-through, I was already had written about two or three sketches and maybe two news pieces for update. So I was all set. So I'm waiting for the elevator to go home. And I remember Dick coming out of the elevator and said, good night. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, uh, I'm going home. And he looked at me like I was out of my mind. And he said, what do you mean you're going home? He said, well, I've written three sketches. I said, I wrote uh, two pieces for update. That's it, you know? And he goes, but we're uh, up all night. And then I said, what for? And he said, to write the show. That's when we write the show. And I said, but I've already written three pieces. 
And he goes, well, uh, you got to stay here all night. I just don't believe what I'm hearing. And I said, I'm not staying up all night. What is that? What am I going to do? Just walk around? I'm done. So we kind of looked at each other and I said, you know, good luck. I'm going to get on the elevator. And then I got on the elevator and I left. And I think that was the beginning of the end for me. (laughs) It was frustrating. Yes, not getting pieces on the air. One Saturday night, five minutes before air, after getting probably six or seven sketches cut from the show, I went up to Dick right before and I said, that's it. I'm done. And he left. And that's when he quit. And um, I went in on Monday morning. I pretended like the whole thing didn't happen and Dick never mentioned it. I think he said, is that Larry David down at the end of the table? And that was it. The writers were looking at me, that's for sure. Uh, And I was getting strange looks from the writers. What the hell are you doing here? But that uh, was kind of it. I'm not going to stay up all night. I'm not going to write. I'm done. I wrote my sketches. I'm going home. Whether or not you knew you were getting stuff, Andrew Kurtzman said, on the air uh, affected your life. But I don't think anyone ever thought Larry David was anything but sensational and comically. He was a bad fit with Ebersol. Uh, neither of us, not Julia Louis-Dreyfus, ever really wanted her, neither of us nor uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus ever really wanted to be on TV, but Larry did. We were all there. She was the same person, but what Larry saw was peculiar force of hers. Um, And Andy Breckman said Larry didn't even want typists in the typist pool. Um, uh, uh, um, He never would type up his scripts. He would write them out. He was finicky. George Costanza finicky. And then finally... Uh, Julia Louis-Dreyfus says, Larry was, was just miserable there. He almost came to blows with Dick Ebersol. Uh, I'm sure it had to do with some sketch. I think Dick told him to do something he had written that wasn't funny. Larry went berserk. There was a lot of tension on the floor. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I liked Larry so much, because he lost his temper. He threw a chair at the wall, and I think it was at Jim Belushi. <laughs> and then Larry David said, I met Julia there. Yes, I did, and obviously... We had some impact there. I really didn't write for her then. I really didn't write for anyone in particular. I just didn't know how to write at that point. I remember thinking she was terrific and really underused. So that pretty much sums up Larry David's time on SNL. Um, And the weird thing is, not only would he become, you know, a legend at NBC because of Seinfeld, not only would people look back at this and say, I cannot believe a brilliant writer and creator like Larry David got treated the way he did, I can't believe that he quit and came back. All that other things uh, that happened. So he spends one horrible season there from 84 to 85. But he's come back, not only, you know, basically a legend at NBC, but he's hosted Saturday Night Live three times. He's gone on to host three times on Saturday Night Live. And he's made cameos. He's made 13 cameos. He's hosted three times. He has come back a bunch of times uh, as himself. He's come back a bunch of times as Bernie Sanders. Uh, He came back during the election season of 2015. He was there in 2016, 17, 2019, and 2020. He showed up doing Bernie Sanders. He's become a legend on screen at SNL, hosted three times, and, uh, you know, as Bernie Sanders, and, uh, and, of course, as Kevin Roberts. And if you don't know what Kevin Roberts is, that's okay. It's a sketch um, about an FBI training uh, facility and the simulation, the shooting simulation uh, game that was created for the FBI training that was created by a guy named Kevin Roberts. And Larry David plays the animatronic version of Kevin Roberts. It's one of the best sketches of the last 20 years. And I'm doing an entire episode dedicated entirely just to the Kevin Roberts sketch. So didn't do well on the one season. Those three classic episodes of Seinfeld that I played clips from, those all came from SNL sketches. 
And a lot of the other ideas that he had never came to fruition. He did meet Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, on, on that show. They've had a lifetime friendship. He wrote Elaine for her based on a woman that he met while he was working on SNL. It all comes to together, and uh, he uses all of it. And again, if you want to see uh, February 6, 2016, November 4th, 2017, the times that he's hosted, he appeared as Kevin Roberts uh, in a sketch that is legendary. And in October through uh, November through uh, October of 2016, for, a, for an entire year and a half, he played Barry Sanders and then came back, Bernie Sanders, and then he came back in 2020 to play him as well. So the last laugh goes to Larry David. Not only is he a trillionaire, not only does he have millions and millions of dollars, not only did he turn that experience at SNL into legendary uh, sketches on Seinfeld, but he continues to work. He continues to do what he wants to do. And, you know, when all is said and done, he just was not a fit to SNL. I still love that story, though, where he's at the elevator and he's like, I'm not staying up all night. I wrote my sketches. I, I wrote my sketches. I wrote my updates. That's it. Because he's thinking like a writer. He's not thinking like someone at Saturday Night Live. And as you know, you're an SNL fan. You're listening to this podcast. That entire week, you're up all night. You are at 30 Rock four days straight. You do not sleep. You write at 2 o'clock in the morning. You write at 5 o'clock in the morning. That whole week, especially those three days, starting around Tuesday up through you know dress, is insane. You don't sleep. You write all night. Larry David, nah, I'm not going to do that shit. I'm going home. I'm getting on the elevator. I'm leaving. <laughs> that's Larry David. And that's Larry David's uh, experience, his one season on SNL, which turned into some classic Seinfeld as well. So there you go. And uh, hey, thank you for listening for uh, thank you for listening to that show. Uh, hasn't been funny in years, an SNL podcast. We've got more coming up every Wednesday, a brand new podcast. Uh, hits and uh, it's all about SNL and we will uh, talk more about that you can listen to my other podcast as well it's the Nick D podcast which is also available at Radio Misfits Podcast Network check out our live streaming radiomisfits.live if you uh, have a voicemail message that you would like to leave about SNL or suggestions or anything like that 773-417-6948 you can email me nickdpodcast at gmail.com that'll reach this podcast and my other podcast. My thanks to Ed for doing all the great technical stuff. Ed Silla is the man. My thanks to you for listening and subscribing. And please spread the word, rate and review us and share. And more SNL stuff, tons more coming up, including an episode in the future about Kevin Roberts, the classic character that Larry David created. And again, my thanks to Jason Skaggs, for all the music and the themes on both podcasts and this lovely closing theme and the opening theme that you heard at the beginning. And my thanks to you. We'll see you next time on that show, Hasn't Been Funny in Years, an SNL podcast. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow.